Should we start by singing something patriotic? Do, 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 Nobody do, told do, me there'd be a dragon. Welcome to View Little, week 26. Week 26. Woo! We're halfway there. Whoa. Almost halfway there. We gotta finish this episode. You're right. We gotta wait till the end of the episode. It's July 4th when this episode releases. It is July 4th. This is the first patriotic episode. It's our first series. patriotic episode in the series. We both watched Doolittle separately this time for scheduling constraints. How was the 26th watch of the year for you? Uh, I watched it before this. I woke up early. And I to say I watched it as a stretch because I sat in front of it and it played. And uh-huh. I don't really remember a lot of it. I didn't fall asleep. I just wasn't. It was so hard to concentrate by myself this time. <laughs> I understand completely. I watched it last night, and in an effort to keep myself focused while watching it, I tried to come up with a task for myself, and I decided I was going to try to count the number of cuts in the movie. I got up to 250. That was at 13 and a half minutes. (laughs) And I said, I'm not going to keep counting. (laughs) I Okay, I don't know enough about, like, editing. How many cuts are, like, typical then? So... I sort of did some Googling because I stopped it right at 13 and a half minutes when I hit 250 and I was like, hold on. <laughs> I did some Googling and I was like, how many cuts are in Doolittle? Uh, average shot length in Doolittle, things like that. Nobody's nobody's calculated this that I could find with just a couple quick Google searches. Right. So then I started looking at average shot length websites to see if any of them had Doolittle listed. They didn't. But the average shot length has been shrinking. The number of cuts has been growing. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Typing. If I'm remembering right, I think it's down to like the average shot length is three to four seconds. That seems super in short. movies now, which, yeah, that's pretty quick. <laughs> so editing is definitely sped up over time. I wonder how much of it is like the big budget movies, like big budget. Like Marvel. Like yeah. Popcorn. Yeah. Your action movies. Action movies. Because that's like been the whole trend, doing more and more cuts per like scene to get around action and i feel like a lot of the bigger budget movies are are definitely like that i I know i know that there are still you know art house movies with long takes and things like that they're still slow movies but i was even meaning like as per like big releases because like i can't imagine like oppenheimer or something having a three second average cut yeah right i guess it depends uh how many angles of the explosion they show (laughs) but but you get what i'm saying right like there's enough movies that aren't like big dumb action movies i feel like that should have longer shots so i'm wondering if is is it like a general trend or is it like a trend of like more movies are made to be like this now i should have i should have looked more closely i don't know if it was just measuring movies in theaters or if it was measuring like right. every release i'm i can't imagine someone has counted every mm-hmm. release's number of shots but maybe they have no. that actually sounds like something someone would do so, i i mean i'm curious but i wouldn't want to do it yeah when i got to 250 i went um this is something that there's a better way to count there's probably like a, a program or something that can go through it it'd definitely be easier to make the cuts and then go through and count one two three i think that would be the way to do it anyway uh aside from giving up on counting after 13 and a half minutes it was it was uh it was the 26th watch 
There were some things that I noticed this time because I was wearing headphones. Okay. There were more insert lines that background characters say. Yeah. The the, you, you the dog is licking the queen. There's like a... This is ridiculous. This, yes. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that this time. The benefit of headphones. I also noticed that today. There was another one. I don't remember what it was now. Is in that same scene, there's a woman talking before the dog part i don't remember what she says it's just like some off comment okay while we're on this i think i it's finally time i need to challenge you on the whoa it's a big cave line i don't think it's splinton i listened to it i kept rewinding and listening and listening to it i think it's yoshi no way so my reasoning for it is two one it doesn't sound like plimpton at all but it's like whoa a big cave. The way I listen to the audio over and over, the audio itself sounds edited. So I, it's we're a, gonna play the soundbite right now. Whoa, a big cave. That that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's just impossible for me to like parse out that it's Plimpton. But I was looking at it, and like Yoshi is front and center, and he's like standing up, and Plimpton's right behind him. So I figure it has to be one of those two, right? Right. And I feel like John Cena's voice matches more, but I don't know. I couldn't tell. They're both not right. It doesn't sound like either of them. I'm so sure it's Plimpton. I mean, just listen to it and let me know. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it again a few times over. I'm going to pull up the uh, Spanish version as well. Here it is in Spanish. I don't know if that's helpful at all. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not really helpful to anyone because there's a good chance no one's, no one's listening to the Spanish. No one's listening to Spanish. Yeah, I think that's how we determined it was Plimpton. It's the French one, right? The French, it sounded kind of like Plimpton in the French one. But it was also kind of hard to tell. Yeah. You're right that it doesn't, it's not like a one-for-one Plimpton voice. No. And then, but I think it's a Plimpton voice trying to be wowed by the cave. So I, I like, I did my my uh, like I slowed it down. I replayed it, and it sounds distorted. They were trying to like give it a cave effect. So some echoes and some yeah. So yeah. it doesn't sound like a human talking. Since it is July Fourth, yep, and we're feeling a bit patriotic. Let's talk about colonialism in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I was trying to pay attention to anything that could be colonialism. I think that the obvious overarching thing to it is that you have the monarchy sending out its subjects into the world to harvest natural resources for them, for the benefit of the empire. I think a better ending of this movie would be like the bats, because... You know, what the British would do is they would take marginalized groups and they would give them power because they would enforce it for them. Right. So it would be the bats overtaking the dragon and then the dragon being forced to harvest Eden fruits. Or it could just be them taking the dragon and the dragon forces the bats to harvest Eden fruits. Moodfly. That That seems like something they would do. Moodfly comes back as a conqueror. Wait, so what what colonialism motifs do you you get from this movie? I'm sorry. The motifs, the colonialism motifs, the main one is just 
the taking of the Eden fruit from this island, this great natural resource, and returning it for use by the monarchy. However, it is just used to cure the queen. It's not like it's, oh, we need this now for everyone in our empire. The empire will use this power. You know, if if, uh, if Moodfly had been a bit more vigorous of a villain, that's probably what he would have done. You know what would have made this better? I'm thinking of this now. What? Like, give it some closure as if Doolittle... Re- in the in case you were wondering, it, it showed Doolittle returning the journal to Rizuli. Yeah, that'd be good. Because, like, what happened to the journal? It's still on the British battleship. And what happened to the British? Well, most of them got burned up and eaten. No, not even most of them. Like, okay, two, of, two them. of them got burned up and eaten. The rest escaped. And the, they, the rest of the rifle company, the rifle troop, do escape. And they don't need Moodfly for anything. Right, they probably just leave the island, right? Yeah, and then they and then bring they come the back journal with guns, back. With bigger guns to and, kill the dragon. Yeah, and they bring the journal back to the queen, who's just been saved by this miracle fruit. And so she's going to want that. Yeah, why wouldn't she? Yeah. Well, that's that's the other piece of colonialism, is uh, Moodfly smashing the flag onto the island. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a big one. And there's like some commentary there. The big dragon comes and burns everyone alive. Yeah. And then the good doctor gives the dragon an enema. So no, no, that kind of makes sense. So like the dragon is the symbol of resistance, right, to the British monarchy. And then Doolittle comes along and he shoves <laughs> right, a, he... a leak up the resistance butt. And then they cave and... <laughs> Into a group who are resistant to the monarchy. Yeah. The Scottish pull out, pulls out a bagpipe. So weird. I wonder what they were thinking when they were like a bagpipe. The other obvious colonialism tie probably is the imagery of the dragon and the imagery of the leak being connected to the Welsh Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. It's all sort of like... And how he's a little, uh, subservient to the... To the monarchy. To the English, to the ruling, English class. ruling class. Yeah. I have something to confess. I was watching this movie after stopping counting. And I was trying to find colonialism connections. And I got distracted after a certain moment. Okay. In the scene with the dragon, <laughs> there's a particular line... That's towards the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you got distracted at the but, big climax. But... There's a particular line that the dragon gives that made me go, ah, knowing this movie came out in January of 2020, it started development probably 2017. Is that correct? I believe so. The timeline here. Oh, gosh. There is a certain line delivered by the dragon, which tells me it is something entirely different that's inspiring this movie. The dragon shouts, just leave. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't know where you're going with this. Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. No, seriously. I think that this entire movie is an allegory for Brexit. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized how true it is. So you have the Queen, which represents England and Great Britain itself, right? She's the, the head of state. Okay, Um, I'm falling. She's poisoned. What is she poisoned by? People trying to seize power and gain control. No. So, England itself, uh, Britain itself being poisoned 
it's like it's poisoned by the idea of Brexit, the idea of receding away. Wait, but but where are you going with this? Because the dragon said just leave, so it seems like Brexit is the solution here. Well, the dragon is screaming at Doolittle to just leave. And Doolittle says, no, I think we're here to help her. And what does he start pulling out of the dragon? Pulls out the whole Spanish army, Europe. Pulls out the bagpipes of Scotland, who voted Remain. Right? Okay. And, uh... I think that the idea here is what they're trying to say is there's still help for England. We can still cure this poison <laughs> planted here oh, okay. by Euroskeptics and disaster capitalists that are trying to benefit from the situation. I gotta say, this whole, if the dragon is symbolic of England, right, then it no, is... No, the queen is England. Then what's the dragon symbolic of? Because you made it seem like the dragon symbolic of England, and then we're pulling out the Spanish, and we're pulling out the Scottish. Right, because that's the Brexit moment itself. No, because that's the problem. That's what's hurting her. Yes. And then she's... No, but the queen is still poisoned, right? (laughs) Frank... This is, you just made the you explained it and it's pro Brexit. It is pro Brexit, but it's also anti Brexit. No, it's not, not at all, because it's like, hey, let's take out the Spanish, let's take out the Scottish, and now England is cured. Well, no, the Queen is still poisoned. They gained the cure from kicking out the foreign elements out of this dragon. Okay, it's possible that this movie is pro Brexit, <laughs> but. Let me uh, read a couple other lines here (laughs) that I have written down. Um, Okay. So the movie came out January 17th of 2020, right? Yeah. Brexit Day was the 31st of January 2020. Okay. So it came just shortly after. Um, Oh, so you think this is the movie that did it? No, I think this... (laughs) Well, because it was already decided. The referendum, the decision to leave was on the 23rd of June 2016. So it was right. before this movie was created. Here's what the dragon says to Doolittle. First of all, it turns blue, which is the color of the EU. Okay. The European Union. Sure. It says, I've seen armies of every kind, but nothing like like you. What unites such a group of creatures? And what is this group of creatures she's talking about? A bunch of foreign implants <laughs> who are living in Britain. Health service workers, the majority of them, it's fair to say. Doolittle responds, well, we may not look it, but somehow we just belong together. So Doolittle is uh, pro-EU. You know what? I, I again, I'm going to use this against you. I, I think Better this together? Is... This is telling Scotland not to... <laughs> yeah, because... Not they, to vote they, yes on a second rec- referendum. They're like, this is Wales. And then they, they use Wales to open it up and take out the foreign elements. And that are completely foreign. Like the Spanish army is against the British, right? Yeah. And, and same with Scotland because they voted to remain. Yeah. And then the dragon is like, what unites them? Because they are all British, even if they're from different countries. Okay. They, they are British. They're living okay. in, in uh, the UK. And they're like, well, we may not look at what we're family, which, which what they're saying is like, we don't need outside help. Right, we we belong together. We belong We're together. the UK. Yeah, we, we don't need yeah. outside help. We can take care of problems on our own. That you know, the pro Brexit read it is getting stronger here. And like, like, let's see. Okay, so the Queen, right? What was she saved by? She was saved by 
uh, taking uh, magic fruit and curing the poison that was given to her by the House of Lords, mm-hmm. who are conspiring for power. Yeah, I think we need to get them out. I mean, I'm just saying, Lord Badgley kind of see Lord Badgley to me represents me an a... old pensioner, and also the the Euro skeptic, conservative, rich old people. No, right? see, to me, he he is a man of the Euro. <laughs> you think that he EU, is trying yeah. to keep power? He's trying to keep so him that in... they won't leave Europe. Yeah, this new prime minister they have is really shaking things up, saying we can do it on our own. That's what the queen is saying. We we don't need other countries' help. The queen, the monarchy, probably is pro Brexit because it keeps their power yeah. centralized in the UK, as opposed to we're not we're not governed by we're not and, we're not uh, we can we don't hold ourselves to europe's laws remember the reason why bachelor is trying to seize power is because he's like what will the other countries think okay so he's clearly caring about what you know the eu thinks <laughs> that's probably the weaker point but uh the queen sends a jaded uh person from the uk to to go across a journey to bring back a cure and he comes back as a strong mon- monarchist at the end and then Polly says, like, well, like... Here's... I wrote this down, too. This is the the last section of the movie here. Okay. Uh, Our story ends the way it began, mostly. There once was a peculiar doctor who found that he was at his best when sharing his extraordinary ability with others. Soon Dr. Doolittle reopened his gates as Lily would have wanted. So this, oh, to me, good. is returning that's good, to that's good, the that's EU. Good. Uh, but, I mean, if Doolittle you... discovered his place in the world once again... After all, it's only by helping others that we can truly help ourselves. So to me, this ending of the movie is showing that it's okay to cure the poison from the UK and to say we're it's okay to go back to the EU. I mean, okay, let's think about this, though. Stubbins is a good English boy. and He, he... is a good English boy, and he represents the, the people who weren't old enough to vote oh, when Brexit happened. Okay, that's really good. So the youth that weren't old enough to vote, they're the ones who bring the cure to great britain so i think doolittle he's jaded he he is he's not so sure about england he thinks they need outside help he's married to an immigrant and then this good english boy comes in and convinces him otherwise like this is an inside problem we can take care of our own things and yeah they're opening their doors but i feel like i i mean i don't remember seeing any spanish people coming through his doors and like if you look at <laughs> they do all speak english except for the french fox that's if, a good point if you look at even closer Rizzoli is the bad guy the only fo- no but he has a reconciliation with doolittle yeah but he's like go and don't ever come back he doesn't say don't ever come back he kind of does i mean you're right he says get going so this is this is the eu after all of the referendums and everything going, like, the EU yeah, is trying yeah, to make yeah. make the deal with them. That's that's Rizzoli. He's trying to make the deal with them because at first they're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing this Brexit stuff for?" And then finally, the population is like, "No, we're going. We're Brexiting." Fifty one percent of them decided, and so then that's whenever King Rizzoli and that's the EU. They're like, "You know what? We we wash our here's a boat. You know, get out of here. Go back. Go." Gosh, I think that works. Hmm. Yeah, no, and then they and then they save the queen. So you're saying that by the EU saying like get out of here that England is saved. 
No. That, that, yes. <laughs> I mean, well, that's I mean, what you just said. Not really. Yeah, Rizzoli, he's representing I mean, other is, nations, and he's like, take this going. boat, get out get of here, going. we don't need you. So get going. And then, and then it the, solves but, all their but problems. But he also says, like, hey, listen, uh, Lily, the immigrant. Don't bring Lily into this. <laughs> She's been you know, through enough, Frank. They, uh, where was I going with this? He still sees her, too. Right. Um, so are you saying that that uh, in this scene, Doolittle is addressing the fact that they're in it that they're an immigrants, and then Rizzoli is like, "Yes, there are. I also see those. There are people seeking asylum, and for example, National Health Service workers. <laughs> I got. If it. I can just break it down, take a step back for a second. Badgley is the old pensioners who are voting to leave." Stubbins right. is the youth who aren't old enough to vote yet. Moodfly is a hard exploitation, um, hardline Brexiter. Yeah. But also representing the privatization of the National Health Service mm-hmm. and the uh, disaster capitalism that took place. So he's pushing for Brexit because he wants history to remember him. He's ser- searching for personal glory, personal right. wealth. Who was the prime minister? When it-, um, it was... So in 2016, it started with Cameron. Yeah. And then he resigned because they voted to leave. And then May took over and she resigned because they couldn't come up with a deal. And then Boris Johnson took over and he's the one who saw them through Brexit. Right. And he got voted out, right? He did in COVID scandals. But he was notably, I think that he was the only Eurosceptic among those prime ministers. Like, he's the one who wanted Brexit. Right. Yeah. And the other ones were like, we don't actually want Brexit. Yeah. Weren't they trying to, like, force the EU's hand to give them, like... They were sort of... They didn't want a no-deal Brexit. Um, I think that... And they kept getting extensions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, you know, that's sort of what's going on in the movie is the extensions. Okay. But I think we need to take an even further step back. Stephen Gagnon is clearly... Um, from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. This is a movie of hope. It's saying, we may have Brexited, but we can go back. So, who who changed the beginning? Oh, like, I see what you're saying. You're, you're saying who's responsible for... Because there are mixed messages. The dragon scene, which we, we assume is reshoots. We can pretty confidently say the colonoscopy part is reshoots. Yeah, and we know that that is pro-Brexit. No, not necessarily pro Brexit. I, I, I think it's pro Brexit, but it's definitely. I don't know that it's pro Brexit because here's what they I'm, removed the foreign elements out well, of no, a dragon to and me. It cures her. So the the Welsh population voted largely leave. No, that's not true. They also voted remain. I think actually the Welsh pop. So okay, so the thing clogging the dragon is the Scottish, <laughs> and would they vote Frank? They voted mostly remain. Wasn't it like almost unanimously too? No, it was like 68% or 65% okay. or something. I thought it was really high. It was much higher than the rest of... It was it was like the same percentage that like London and Manchester and mm-hmm. urban areas voted. And I'm pretty sure Scotland, those urban areas in Wales all wanted to remain. And it was everybody else who was like, we're leaving. Brexit, you know, Doolittle, Brexit means Brexit. Doolittle could be representative of the people who didn't think it mattered to vote and then didn't vote that's very true because he pulled away from the world right yeah he's like 
It doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. He's pulled yeah, this away. Is a joke. He's the population uh, that's refusing to vote. The indifferent population. Or, or he's also the one who's like, oh, this is a joke. I'll Even vote. though it yes, affects his wife. And it affects yeah. his... Yeah. The Generation Xers. The Gen Xers who are indifferent. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're blaming? Uh, yeah, we're blaming the Gen Xers. They're the worst. <laughs> I do feel like for too long, boomers have been catching a lot of uh, flack when really it's the Gen Xers now. Because, you know, all the boomers are dying. <laughs> There's a little tiny spider on the mic. I see him. He's crawling around. Yeah, he was on my hat and he kept going Not up and down. even spiders like spiders, though. He hates himself. I am worried about the boy, Frank. <laughs> I'm worried about the spider. <laughs> Me being the boy here. <laughs> I mean, I would carry him outside. Not even spiders like spiders. You know how awful that is? That not even spiders like spiders? No, that... He's like, yeah, he even separates spiders from their families by taking them outside of their home. Oh, wow. Yeah, I definitely st- Arnold Stubbins is a hardline Brexiter. Arnold Stubbins is the population that didn't realize what they were losing through Brexit. No, I don't know. And then it. at the end of the movie, he finds out how great it is to be back in the EU because of the benefits. I don't provides. know. I don't know. Because what happens? They get their dogs delivered and the National Health Service is still functioning well. And Okay, so there's some reaches going on here with my there's Brexit comparisons. But I did think it was funny after the dragon shot had just leave. <laughs> it was like... Gosh, you should have told me to look for this. I would have looked for it. I was looking for colonialism and I couldn't really find any. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, the colonialism is just like the resource exploitation and pro-empire stuff planting the flag speaking of flags that was another thing i noticed on this watch the flag flown on doolittle's ship i was always thinking it was a red dragon of wales we looked closer at it this time it's a red lily right so the the flag itself is a white background and there's a red lily in the center because of lily and the boat's called the water lily or something it is called the water lily there's also the Royal Navy's white ensign is visible only on the dinghy that Moonfly takes to the ship. There are no flags flown by the Britannia warship. I have a feeling it's probably because they didn't want to animate flags on it. Because <laughs> their flag CGI doesn't look very good. That's really but I funny. did think it was funny that the English Union Jack or anything, that wasn't flown on the ship itself. I mean, why would it was they an fly? unmarked? It was an unmarked vessel because they were doing illegal things like invading. Uh, that's another colonialism thing. Whenever they, yeah, that boot, is boots on the ground in Monteverde. Yep, they enter the streets. And uh, Doolittle is kind of a local there, so they use the local to steal the journal. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, the other flag, the Union Jack, that gets planted. There's also a flag on the back of the ship that they get given at Monteverde. And it's only visible in one shot, and it's really dark, and you can't really tell what it is. Did you enhance? But it's like a blue background, it looks like, or a navy blue background. Oh, so you think it's and the there's EU. some kind of white, yeah, there's, there's some like kind stars. of white thing in the center. I tried to find similar flags to it. There is the controversially connected to Martinique old flag was a flag that was blue and... In the quadrants of it, there's a white snake that looks kind of similar to the design on the back of this flag. But 
it was used mostly by slavers oh. flying for the island of Martinique. So it's super controversial and they don't actually want connection to it. That's good. That's why they have a new flag now. So I thought maybe this was a symbol that is trying to show that Monteverde and the Eden Island were in the Caribbean, perhaps. But uh, that would be wild. We have 17 days to get to the Caribbean after we first go to. I did do a quick calculation just to see. And I thought, okay, let's say they're traveling by whale 24 hours a day at 17 miles per hour. How far can they get? And I said, okay, maybe they, you know, 15 days because one day they spend on Monteverde right. and one day they spend at the Eden Island. So 15 days, it's like 5,600 miles, give or take, that they can travel, which would get them a lot farther than I thought. Okay. Where does it get them? Um, I don't remember exactly, but Did they definitely re- I was looking at like Mediterranean areas because to me it's very Mediterranean and it feasibly would be possible assuming they can travel at 17 miles per hour that entire time i mean they can't they we can't that, with the old vessel we know they don't I mean, with travel the new vessel they can't with the old vessel they could no they can't because they're not hooked up to whale for most of it with the old vessel no but you're right they, that, that they lose that pretty quick yeah they're only hooked up to the whale for like a little bit so before and after that they're going at normal boat speeds right and then the, we're assuming the new vessel goes the same speed as the old vessel. But it doesn't because its sails are so tattered. Yeah, but I think it's more... It's not really about the quality of the sails. It's like... The heart of the crew. Yeah. I I also got the same when Stubbins today, when he was welcome to the crew and Doolittle said his thing, uh, I was thinking part of the crew, part of the ship. Part of the ship, part of the crew part of the ship i do have a few other notes that i wrote down okay that i skipped over chi chi is humming a song when he's giving you a little massage yeah it was god save the god Queen save or... the queen or perhaps my country tis of thee <laughs> yeah no that works Polly says you need to go help the queen if the queen dies the treasury gets the deed and we lose the house exactly so dab dab you... says we get kicked out if the queen dies yeah. So that's like foreigners living in the UK. The queen dies being Brexit from the do EU. You, do you think that all the animals have been kicked out of UK? Um, from Brexit? No. Oh, you mean? Because the queen died. Because the queen died. <laughs> oh, you mean now. Yes, I right. mean now. Yeah. Do you think they've gotten rid of all of their animals? <laughs> there was probably, yeah, that probably the queen did die and... They probably lost the house. When did the queen die? That was at the start of this year, wasn't it? It was probably right before hunting season, if I had to guess. (laughs) The middle of hunting season. The middle of hunting season. (laughs) You know, if only she had the Eden fruit. Could live forever. Yeah, or or like another year. (laughs) So she could have made the 100th anniversary? Yeah. Wait, no, what was it? Wasn't she? What was the jubilee they were going to celebrate with her? Was it 75 years? She was one year away from something big. I don't know. They were really excited. NBC had all the coverage prepared or whatever, whatever channel it was. They made all their monarchy propaganda. Oh, you're not pro-monarchy here? On July 4th? Never. Absolutely not. Yeah, me either. Which animals do you think are the most likely to revolt against the monarchy? 
Uh, Yoshi seems American. Kevin seems American. Well, Kevin is anti-monarchy. Right. He's anti-monarchy. Uh, well, Kevin's actually... Kevin can be seen as a sympathizer. Because first he's anti-monarchy, and then he's like brought in, and he sort of starts to love everyone. Well, and, it's the magic of the tree that beckons yeah, him, right? So it's this idea of... Maybe there is a cure for Brexit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was I was thinking maybe, like maybe colonialism, colonialism and expansion. He's like lured into the oh, great okay. out. imperialism, and then once he finds it, he's like, "Oh, God save the queen! We need to send out more, journey. more imperialist yeah. conquests." Uh, yeah, Yoshi is definitely anti-monarchist. We had a list of this, didn't we? I don't know if we did. All I know is that Yoshi and Plimpton would 100% be throwing tea into the harbor. <laughs> TNT into the harbor, perhaps. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Yes. Woo. Robert Downey Jr., of course. You, you know, I heard the reason why he based it off of a Welsh doctor is because he was so disgusted by the idea of playing an Englishman with himself <laughs> being an American. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he already has to do that as Sherlock Holmes. There's a reason they haven't made a sequel yet, because he really doesn't want to play an Englishman. Because he, he finally learned that we were originally ruled by England. He didn't know that until recently, and that's why they haven't made a... Sherlock <laughs> he, Holmes. He refuses to work with Guy... What's Richie. Guy Richie, yeah. Good lore. Uh, good theory. Aren't they talking about making a new one? Yeah, I they feel have like been. it's been it's coming been, up a lot. Yeah. Because Guy Richie really needs to make a hit. He's desperate. And Doolittle, Robert Downey Jr. needs a recovery film. So Team Downey is desperate. That Iron Man's not coming back. I think Iron Man's coming back. I think after this, like, Phase 6 or whatever, Robert Downey Jr. is coming back. That'd be, uh, that'd be funny. That's what's going to happen, is the way they win is like, oh, we need to unite the Avengers from all the multiverses. And then they're all back. They come through portals yeah. in a big battle at the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange snaps and they all come through portals. Right. Everyone goes, Rawr! Yeah, I'm a big marble head. Everyone tells me that. I marvel at the size of your head. That's for darn sure. Oh, yeah, I do have a big head. That's <laughs> <laughs> beyond. <laughs> okay. Uh, any other July 4th do little thoughts? Um... No. Got anything besides Doolittle? Uh, I watched um, on the umbrellas of Cherbourg. I liked it. It was a lot sadder than I thought it would be. It is a sad movie. Yeah. Um, because so I've only watched his happy ones. It's a it's a happy sad movie. It's yeah. A, it's tragic, but it's. I mean, it's real. It's like, it's like longing. And the beginning of the movie is so happy and positive that I'm like, oh, this is going to be a happy, fun movie. And then 30 minutes in, it got really dark. <laughs> we were not like dark, but like sad. The use and, of color in that movie, I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, in general, beautiful movie. And I love how everything was sung. It was great. That That blew my mind whenever I watch that movie because that was the first jocks demi movie that i watched you should i was like what <laughs> what's going on you should watch i don't think i'd seen a musical like that before the so. girls of rochefort rochefort uh i probably like that one better because it's more like it's entirely positive mm -hmm. and i really really like how it's structured 
But it's just a musical. It's not like it's a traditional musical. Sure. Anyway, yeah. Watch Umbrellas of Cherbourg. It's really, really good. Uh, the other thing is at my house, we like to never do laundry. So it's just been sitting nice. in hampers. Uh, we finally did it and we watched Batman, the Tim Burton one, while we did it. And then we still had more laundry to do. So we watched The Batman Returns. But now there's no laundry in the house. We burned it all. That's good. I'm glad that your laundry got through. And those are both good. I remember liking Batman Returns more, and this time I was more uncomfortable, because I don't remember uh, the Penguin being a weird sex pest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it, it was very uncomfortable. Was he, like, James level, or was he, like, producer, like, smoking cigar, casting couch level? Um, James level, but, like, times ten, right? Okay, okay. Like, more overt and gross. Sleazy. Yeah, super sleazy and disgusting. It's like, you don't need to do this. We get he's the bad guy. Why is he horny? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my thoughts. And yeah. especially, like, in his, like, he has, like, a gang full of carnival workers. And there's, like, girls in there. So, like, why is this sleazy man? <laughs> like, and it, the, the other point is, like, Catwoman's supposed to be, like, she's also really horny. And that was also kind of uncomfortable. I was more uncomfortable this time, I guess, but I, I just still liked it. And then I, the first one I think I like even more. I think uh, Jack Nicholson's incredible. The Joker. Oh, one thing to know about it is Michael Keaton is probably the best Bruce Wayne. He comes off as like just really odd and like something's not right with him, but he's like clearly a normal person. Like you wouldn't guess as he, he's Batman, you would just think he's really odd. Yeah, it just makes so much more sense. And then it's, in the second movie, it works with him. Like, it's shown like, oh, no, he's he truly is Batman. Like, that's his preferred mode. Yeah, and it makes sense, like, with him being odd. He's, he's the best one at portraying that, where he seems like a normal person, or at least more normal. Because, like, one of the issues with the new one. Is, it, he, is, the, is that the one that has Mr. Freeze in it? No, that is uh, Batman Robin. Oh, okay. The two, the first two Batman movies are like really good Tim Burton movies. What's, what happens in the second one? There is... Is Penguin the main villain? Or is there, is he a side villain? There are three villains. There's like too many characters. It's kind of a mess. Uh, Penguin and then there's Mac, Max Shrek, who is Christopher Walken playing Christopher Walken. And he's incredible. Christopher Walken's great in it. And then there's Catwoman who's like... A sort of foil character who's, who's villainous. Is that Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. And she's great. But what's his name? I just Christopher Walken played like a shrewd businessman who's like not afraid of things. He's just calculating his way out of things was like really fun. I really liked him. Um, yeah. I mean, it's worth the watch. We're going to next time we have laundry, which will be never since we burned all of our clothes. Uh, we're watching Batman Forever. It's the laundry movies. Batman is a good laundry movie. It's it's a, you know it's a it's a popcorn flick so yeah. to speak. I I haven't seen Batman Begins or any of those in a while, and I remember Christian Bale's Batman or Bruce Wayne being okay. Yeah, just sort of rich guy. But like like Michael Keaton has like a lot of personality, and he's like weird. So it's a little, like it it deflects more. If that makes sense. 
Because, like, oh, he's just a weirdo. He's, like, a rich weirdo, if that makes sense. Which, you know, in terms of rich people, that fits. Yeah, exactly. Bunch of weirdos. Uh, What have you been watching, doing? I watched a movie that I really, really liked. I know you watched Doolittle yesterday. I do watch Doolittle yesterday. (laughs) There's a genre of movie, of popcorn movie, specifically, that whenever I stumble upon them bring me intense joy oh i'm thinking like in the realm of jupiter ascending yeah in the realm of uh valerian Valerian city of a thousand planets these large dumb fun uh horribly flawed yeah i feel like that's a part of it there's a there's flaws to them but they're they don't care about them yeah they're made in a way that they know there are flaws, and it's fun. They're visual spectacles. You know, they're adventures. A, they're action adventures. They're like, um, uh, um, what's the term? It's like an ego movie. It's like a the directors are making the movie they want, and it's only for them. Yeah. <laughs> Another one would be like Malignant. I haven't seen it. You should watch Malignant. Well, the one that I watched that I stumbled upon, it's called Alienoid. Okay. It's from 2022. And the actual title, when you translate it, it's a Korean movie, but when you translate it, it's Alien and Human Part 1. Basically, it's like the first half of a movie. Yeah. It feels like you're watching three movies at once. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much fun. Uh, I'll have to watch it. Um, Alienoid? Alienoid. Part 2 is supposed to come out later this year. It ends just like in the middle of a movie because it's basically meant to be like a five-hour movie. There's things that I love in it, like time travel... And it's a period piece set in like the Goryeo dynasty, but it's okay. also like a wuxia, but it's also like a superhero movie with aliens, okay. but it's also like a fish out of water coming of age story. Okay. <laughs> but it's all, like, there's, there's so much going on in this movie and it was so much fun to watch. Now I had a blast. Okay, you it's compared not it, good. You compared but it's it so to, much fun. I was gonna say you compared it to Jupiter ascending. Jupiter ascending. Jupiter ascending vibes because you get thrown into this world and things aren't really explained to you. Yeah. Right. It's just like this is the way things are in this world, and you get to watch it. <laughs> and, and as long as you're okay with that, you're on board with that. You'll have fun. I feel like part of the the pleasure of jupiter ascending is the things that are explained are so inexplicably stupid yes you get some of that too okay <laughs> there's there's a lot like how they on. were co- constantly going off of the light content or whatever yeah 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 i really really enjoyed jupiter ascending it's one of my faves i think that this has that kind of energy i hope i in saying that i don't hype it up too much but it's okay it really, fe- it genuinely feels like you're watching three movies simultaneously. This is great. It's, it's the kind of popcorn movie that, there's like levels to popcorn movies, right? You got like your big dumb ones like Transformers. Your ones that you, you watch and then you leave and you've gained nothing. Right. You don't, you forget about them. There's like fun adventure. There's, you know, there's different layers to it and it's visual spectacle. You know, in soccer, how they do like the player grids, yeah. the hexagon things. I forget what they're called, but. You can compare players to each other. I think yeah. that there's hexagons for popcorn movies, right? And yeah. it's like dumbness, funness, goodness, 
I feel like smartness is in there too. Smartness, yeah, and you know they all slide it. You know, you advance because, like, along the edges. Part and... of Bahubali is it's like incredibly dumb and incredibly smart. It's also incredibly fun. Bahubali's stats are just maxed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Push all the sliders out. It, Runtime really high. The the only issue with Bahubali is the first movie ends on the trailer of the second movie when it could just end with this. It should just be one movie. I would watch a six-hour Bahubali. Alienoid probably should have just been a five-hour movie. Yeah, that rules. Instead, it's separated into parts. I'm looking forward to the second part. But, like, that's part of the reason why I think I prefer RRR to Bahubali is because it's one movie. Eh, I guess. I feel like every episode we need to talk about RRR and, like, Bahubali. And Alienoid. And Iga. And um, Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. We're huge Roger Mooley fans here. Yeah, and also we like big dumb spectacles. I I would say I'm a huge uh, Wachowski fan. I have to say, I watched so many awful movies in June. Yeah, let's hear. So it. many really bad. Doolittle, Doctor Doolittle, <laughs> Doctor Doolittle Two, Doolittle some more, Doolittle some more, uh, Renfield, Barbie Dolphin Magic. Fantasy football, even The Mummy Returns is not great, right? It's bad. It's kind of fun, but it's bad. Yeah. So, I was sort of feeling down on movies. So now you're just going to try to watch good movies. Now that I watched a dumb, fun popcorn movie, it reminds me what makes movies fun again. Which is that they could be dumb and big and spectacles. And it makes me go, okay, I like movies. Because I was really feeling, maybe I don't like movies anymore. But part of like... Maybe I don't know. This, I like watching know, we're 20, bad movies. We're so. 26 weeks into Doolittle, and I was getting to a point where, can I like any movies? Do you think... Are movies, are movies capable of being good? All right. So I have a question for you to t- kind of tie in the, the this being the 26th. Yeah. What do you think the future holds for our Doolittle viewings? I really don't know. Do you think that we are going to become... More like as you become more positive into July, do you think we are going to become more positive on Doolittle into December? No, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I have I'll a feeling honest. that the December viewings are going to be a blast. I think December will be fun because we get to watch a double feature in December. Oh, no, I just meant because it's going to be We're like, almost done. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a sense of relief in December. Yeah. I don't know about fun, but relief. Well, I think the last one's going to be longing because we'll be like, oh, it's done. Yeah. And then we'll Do you con- think, continue well, to watch this for this is 10 what, more years. This is what I was just about to say. It's July 4th. Every July 4th, I watch Independence Day. Yeah. It's tra- tradition. I was thinking this because of that every january 17th will i watch doolittle will i watch it once a year i probably will because yeah. after watching it 52 times i will say when i first watched it after it, it's been a it was like a full year and when i first watched it again i was so excited and it was great so i i think now like our interest in this movie is something like so personal it can't be separated we can't separate ourselves from doolittle that i think once we get out of this like swamp of watching it constantly that it will be a comfort movie of some sort because it's something we are so familiar with 
Done. I will have no qualms about watching Doolittle. There are no qualms here. Watching Doolittle on January 17th every year. Doolittle Day. I'll do that. Doolittle Day. I'll probably have fun. January seventeenth of every year. Yeah, I just I marked it. I took it. I'm off never work. gonna watch I'll it again. There. I'm never gonna watch it outside of January seventeenth. That's fair. It has to be like a holiday. It's Doolittle Day. We're halfway done. That feels pretty good, but it's also bad. <laughs> We're only halfway done. We're only halfway done. I mean, are you half glass full or are you half glass empty? How are you feeling? I think that my next viewing, I'm I'm going to view with a breath of fresh air, and I'm going to be so excited for next week. I'm I'm very excited to watch it again next week. No, really, <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm laughing at me at yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not. I I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I just know it holds my doodle. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, well, viewers, you'll have to decide for yourself. Listeners, viewers, why are you making a gun with your hand? Um, this is a Freudian slip. I didn't mean to make a gun. <laughs> Frank, please. <laughs> I wish Doolittle was a fun popcorn movie instead of a bad popcorn movie. That's all I'll say after 26 weeks of viewing. Uh, Frank, before we wrap up this very special episode, what's your favorite quote from this first half of the year? Um, my favorite quote in our view little experience is, is that the boy? I feel kind of, yeah, down about saying that. Like, I feel like it should be something better. Is that the boy? Because hmm. it feels like such a surface level quote. You, you know, know what, what mine is? Respect. <laughs> it's no good. That's a good quote. Yeah, it kind of summarizes the movie for me. After twenty six viewings, we should we should have deeper quotes. Yeah, I I was listening for them today, and I I was like, oh, this is a good one. We never say this one, and I forgot them all. And that's why we never say him. Well, this is Finn. And I'm Frank. And we'll see you next week. We'll uh, see you next week. Happy July 4th, everybody. And there, there is a chance that this one won't be released on the 4th. No, there's not. No, there's not. I don't know why I'd be telling these people this. Tuesday's the 4th. Yeah. So it's going on the 4th. Oh, it is going on the 4th. Well, if you're listening at home and this isn't released on the 4th, I'm sorry. We failed you. I was thinking of like giving it like because it's a holiday we might you know we could have taken that week this week off honestly like we could have watched it and not done the podcast because it was a holiday but we did that's it. cheating what's the why uh, we, let's take off the rest of the year <laughs> because it's a holiday let's have a holiday the rest of the year honestly we should take off the rest of the year I mean we still have to watch it I was just saying for the podcast we could have been like it's a holiday why people do that no you're right i'm sorry (laughs) anyway goodbye (laughs) history will remember me can't change my favorite quote yeah it's absolutely all of the lines delivered by uh our friend the lieutenant lieutenant that's fair because he's you have a magnificent chin sir we need more of that energy in this movie (laughs) Going into the second half, I hope we can all have more lieutenant energy.
uh, more lieutenant energy and less Brexit talk. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>